You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi guys, and welcome to the show. This is the. Big Ten Powerhouse Podcast. This is number four as we continue to move along. We have a uh, fun show tonight um, as we move into the summer. We uh, are introducing a few of our Big Ten sites um, and the new the new Big Ten teams. Um, here with us is uh, Andrew. Andrew, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. It's all good. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, do you want to introduce yourself for a little bit? Sure. Uh, my name is Andrew Emmer, and I'm a recruiting editor and contributor at Testudo Times, SB Nation's premier Maryland blog. Uh, I'm also a... <laughs> Producer at uh, SiriusXM College Sports Nation Radio, and uh, so basically, ninety-five percent of my life is college sports. Okay, okay. And um, for those who have followed Big Ten Powerhouse, um, Andrew was actually on our uh, staff for a while um, before um, the schedule got a little bit too packed. But um, he definitely knows his Maryland stuff, <laughs> which is good for us tonight. I think he's fair to say. <laughs> Excuse me. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, all right. Well, um, our whole our whole show is pretty much dedicated to uh, Maryland tonight. Um, as I'm sure you're well aware, they uh, just joined the Big Ten. Um, how, is, how is the <laughs> how is the um, the sense among the Maryland community? Was it uh, excitement? Um, uh, I guess uh, for uh, negative. Um, <laughs> how did you uh, perceive the Maryland fan base? Uh, I think when the move was announced a few years ago, the, it was mixed, if not uh, probably veering toward, leaning toward, fairly negative. Uh, Maryland was a founding member of the ACC. We've been there for 60-plus years. And people, you know, college sports fans are not the most, uh, excited about change usually, um, <laughs> but I think that this, I think it's unfair for for me to speak on it because on our internet community on Testudo Times and among the younger people, I'm 23, the younger people that I've talked to, it's universally excited to join the Big Ten. But with saying that, I'm very well aware that a lot of the people that I don't come in contact with, maybe older generations, people that aren't. Mm-hmm. on internet message boards are not super thrilled about <laughs> it. Uh, I'm sure those people exist. I don't talk to them all that much. So in my world, very positive. Everyone is excited. More money, better quality of opponents in football, uh, more money, a lot more uh-huh. money. There's more money, <laughs> definitely more money. Uh, more excited to see 
you know, the likes of Michigan and Illinois and Ohio State and Michigan State come through Comcast Center besides D.C. and Wake Forest and uh, Florida State and Miami. Okay, yeah. Um, I guess spinning a little off off of that, um, what do you think the Maryland fans are going to miss the most about the ACC? If you would ask the, the normal Maryland fan, the first thing they're going to say are the rivalries, and I think that that's fair. Um, as down as Maryland basketball and to some extent football has been the last few years, there may never have been a more heated, strong, impassionate rivalry during a small period of time than the Maryland-Duke rivalry at the beginning of the century when Maryland and Duke won back-to-back national titles. I think there were four, three or four or five uh, final fours in a, in a few-year stretch. Uh, Juan Dixon and Jay Williams and, you know, Chris Wilcox and Sheldon Williams and that rivalry, Carlos Boozer, Luol Deng, that rivalry was about as intense as the college rivalry gets. Uh, and although it's been one-sided, mostly in Duke's favor, uh, a lot of Maryland fans still remember those games fondly. Maryland-Duke was still the premier game on the schedule. Uh, it's, you know, even the rivalries with NC State and UNC and Virginia, uh, those were pretty heated for certain periods of time. I mean, the, the, likely the best basketball game of all time was in 1973 between Maryland and uh, North Carolina State, which is when, uh, during the time where only one representative from each conference went to the NCAA tournament, Maryland was a top-five-rated team playing against UNC, who was also a top-five-rated team in the, in the ACC tournament finals, was a triple overtime, and Maryland did not win. They lost, I think, by three points, triple overtime. Uh, UNC would win a national title. Maryland very well could have won the national title then. And uh, that game went a long way to, to changing, to creating at-large bids. I mean, games like that, I mean, the history like that is what Maryland fans are going to miss about the ACC. And, I mean, and that's fair. Uh, but I think change can be good, and the ACC has not been the ACC for quite a few years. Uh, it's not what it was in 1973 or even in 2002. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree with that. Um, I guess I guess going a little off of that, um, you talked a little bit about the rivalries. It, who do you think, first off, that Maryland will develop a um, premier rival, meaning you know not just on paper, but actually a team that fans dedicate themselves to? And do you have any guess at who that potentially could be in the Big Ten? Um, in football, I think it's almost certainly going to be Penn State. Um, I think it's already started with our old Mm -hmm. uh, offensive coordinator, James Franklin, being the coach there, him taking shots at Randy Etzel in Maryland, Randy Etzel taking shots back at him. But in basketball, I think it's actually a real unique opportunity because Maryland has a little bit of a history with a bunch of the teams. Obviously, in 2002, when Maryland won their uh, only national championship, they beat Indiana. Uh, Maryland's last mm-hmm. moment, last second in the, in the, of the NCAA tournament was against Michigan State, and a person whose name I, I'm sworn to never say again hit <laughs> a shot. He traveled, by the way, he traveled. The shot should have counted. <laughs> and uh, not Gravis Vasquez in Maryland, who you know could have easily been the team that went to the Final Four instead of Michigan State. Uh, knocked him out of the tournament and the Gravis' career. 
that was my freshman year at Maryland, and I could probably come speak for three hours afterwards. Uh, you know, Michigan obviously um, has been the best team recently, uh, and uh, Ohio State, Maryland played last year. I mean, it's mm. the great thing is that rivalry, if it's going to happen, is going to happen organically. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to come from on-court, you know, on-court altercations. It's going to come from coaches taking shots to other coaches. It's going to come from <laughs> stealing recruits. It's going to come from message boards. That, that's where it's going to come from. There's no real uh, built-in rivalry, sort of like Penn State and Maryland, or even maybe Rutgers and Maryland in football, uh, because Penn State mm-hmm. and Rutgers are just not. I mean, Penn State's been to the tournament a lot more recently than Maryland, but let's be honest, I don't think any Penn State fan is going to argue, even the most illusional one, that we're on the same level as Maryland in basketball. It's just not the case. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's going to come down to on-court and organic rivalries. When I call okay. it a guess, I, was gonna, I would say... I mean, I can't even take a guess because uh, Indiana has Purdue, <laughs> Michigan has Michigan State. I'm not going to count Rutgers and Penn State. <laughs> Illinois sort of has Northwestern. I don't know if that counts. Uh, All right. <laughs> I'm going to take a shot at Dark and Nebraska because why not? Okay. Yeah. The uh, the cross country uh, <laughs> rivalry. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess. Um, I guess uh, returning a little bit to an earlier point, though, so, um, you mentioned the money. You mentioned um, some of the, the t- exciting teams coming into town. What do you think, what's the general sense of what Maryland fans are excited about the most outside of just cash? <laughs> for the Big Ten or for this season? Yeah, for the for the Big Ten, joining the Big Ten. Um, Maryland fans are excited to finally be in a conference that seems to at least on the outside care about them and welcome them. Uh, it's well documented that the ACC tournament has been in Greensboro for about 100 years in a row. Only once, I think, in the last couple years has it been in D.C. Uh, ACC always took advantage of Maryland. Uh, Lefty Giselle, Gary Williams, you know, said Maryland was the, was the red-headed stepchild of the ACC. Uh it was always a North Carolina conference. They went out of their way to add teams in Boston and in uh, Florida, and still, and Maryland being the geographic center of the conference, still didn't get the respect that it, it should have gotten. Uh, but, and then already, you know, a few weeks into being in the Big Ten, there's been, you know, Maryland there in the Big Ten network. There's been, you know, Jim Delaney coming to. Uh, speak in in Baltimore. There's been uh, you know Maryland the Big Ten promotional videos and everyone's all excited and we ne- we we spent six years in the ACC and never got any of that and in a few weeks we've gotten more than we could have asked for from the Big Ten. <laughs> all right, yeah, um, the good old Big Ten network uh, going to going to good use, I guess. <laughs> um, hey, hey yeah, you joke, but we spent the last few years watching games on Raycom Sports, and it's not been that much fun. Yeah, yeah, I guess um, it's hard for us to imagine out here. Um, I remember going to, uh, when I went to uh, the Final Four in uh, Atlanta, what I think two years ago now, 
and uh, to watch Michigan uh, play. And uh, I remember going to the TV in the hotel, going to turn on Big Ten Network, and I wasn't there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> they don't have it down here. So, <laughs> um, well, yeah. It's a product. We're only just learning how good of a product it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, Big Ten fans are a little uh, uh, a little used to their advantage um, in getting getting access to their teams so well. Um, yeah, I guess moving on, just to do a little more general um, talk about Maryland, just to um, gain some familiarity. Uh, what what do you define as some of, obviously the national championship is up there, um, but what do you define as some of the the best moments of you know Maryland's basketball program that uh, I guess just the general public would uh, would remember or acknowledge? Well, I mentioned the obviously the national championship, 2002, Juan Dixon, Chris Wilcox, Lyron Mouton, Lonnie Baxter, still remains the only national championship team in the McDonald's All-American era to not have a McDonald's All-American. Um, <clears throat> sort of represents everything that Gary Williams was about, uh, you know, not bringing in the highest-rated recruits and winning and coaching them up. But besides that, I mentioned the 1973 greatest basketball game ever. Um, that, I talked way, probably way too much about that. Uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, on a somewhat of a sad note, Len Bias, who almost any Maryland fan will tell you has the potential to be one of the great NBA players of all time, certainly one of the greatest ACC players of all time. You know, went head-to-head with Michael Jordan. He got the best of him a few times led Maryland to be the first team ever to win in the Dean Dome uh, over Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, silky smooth jumper, athletic as athletic as anyone you can imagine. You know, just one of the great players of all time. And obviously, you know, died of a drug overdose just about 48 hours after being drafted by the Boston Celtics. And, you know, really one of the great tragedies and what-if stories in college sports, if not all sports. Uh mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Maryland fans still kind of define themselves by Len Bias and, you know, pre-Len Bias and post-Len Bias is how a lot of Maryland fans kind of view the program. Uh, and then after the Len Bias tragedy, Maryland went through a pretty dark spell of, a, of you know, a handful of years before Gary Williams took over, um, leaving, actually, leaving Ohio State, and a very good job at Ohio State, uh, to come back to his alma mater in Maryland and, kind of rebuild the program, and it took a little bit of time, but uh, Maryland was back, you know, into the tournament and into the Sweet 16, and players like Steve Francis and Johnny Rhodes and uh, Joe Smith, National Player of the Year as a sophomore, uh, until the National Championship in 2002. Uh, That sort of pre- and post-Lamb bias is sort of how Maryland fans kind of split up Maryland basketball history, because Maryland basketball's really had two coaches of consequence in their history. They've had Lefty Giselle, who was the coach for Len Bias and the coach in 1973. Uh, and then they had a guy named Bob Wade, who wasn't very good and only lasted three or four years. And then they had Gary Williams, who was a coach for uh, over 20 years. So, you know, it's sort of one of those things where, uh, you know, sort of in the way that Purdue – I think it's Purdue only really had two coaches in the last, like, 30 years. Um, mm. Am I right about that? I'm, I'm still pretty new with the Big Ten stuff, but they had uh, <laughs> Cainter and then the legendary coach who I can't think of right now. 
but yeah, they've they've been a painter for a while now. <laughs> yeah, they uh, yeah, Purdue is a uh, they're they're an interesting program um, from the outside looking in. Uh, ton of success in the Big Ten, but um, unfortunately they haven't had as much success in uh, the tournament, which is kind of odd um, considering how you know great they've been in the uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, Big Ten that's conference. <laughs> That was history of Maryland until 2002. You know, they had been to a bunch of Sweet 16s. They had been a bunch of, you know, had a lot of great teams and great players and just couldn't couldn't get the big one until 2002. And haven't mm-hmm. been able to since. Haven't really gone close since. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, I mean, that's really, that's really the history of Maryland. Uh, moving forward, it's kind of hard to say. Um, I mean, Mark Turgeon... I know we're going to get into a little recruiting, but Mark Turgeon has, has you know, gotten close a few times. Uh, I think they should have been in two years ago. They kind of got screwed by their strength of schedule. Um, but, you know, they beat the number two team in the country twice. They remain one of two teams to have beaten the, that, that Duke team two years ago uh, with mm-hmm. when Ryan Kelly was healthy. Them and Louisville yeah. in the Elite Eight were the only two teams to beat uh, Duke when Ryan Kelly was healthy. <clears throat> I mean, they're bringing in talent at a level that they haven't since Lefty Gazelle. They used to bring in, you know, top five recruiting classes every year. Uh, but Maryland basketball is sort of a lot of what ifs, you know. What if Len Bias has stayed healthy? Would Maryland have become sort of the UNC, well, you know, who could point to Michael Jordan? What if uh, Moses Malone, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Moses Malone, who was the first uh, high school player to jump right to, the, uh, right to professional and went to the ABA, was – not only committed to Maryland, but enrolled at Maryland, enrolled in classes at Maryland before jumping to the NBA, or ABA first, then the NBA. Mm. Kevin Garnett wow. says he would have gone to Maryland because he loved Joe Smith, although I know that Michigan fans also claim he would have gone to Michigan. Yeah, he would have gone to Michigan. He loved Gary Williams and loved Joe Smith and would have gone to Maryland, but, I mean, he could say whatever he wants. He could say that he would have gone to, I don't know, San Jose State. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, that definitely gives us some uh, good background info. Um, I guess one more one more question in terms of uh, Maryland's history before we jump into the um, the current situation. Um, what would you define as one tradition, basketball wise, uh, that's unique to Maryland and something that uh, I guess. Big Ten fans will take notice of over the next few years. Um, I'm, I don't think this is unique to Maryland, but uh, <clears throat> Maryland fans are somewhat known as some of the more aggressive, vulgar fans in college. <laughs> There's, you know, a lot of stories about Coach K not bringing his wife to games. He brings his wife everywhere, won't bring them to Maryland games. JJ Reddick famously. <laughs> The Maryland fans were the worst fans. People chanting uh, profan- profanities at him, talking about his younger sister, uh, Elton Brand's uh, mother having water bottles thrown at her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a long and I mean, somewhat disgraceful history. I mean, disgraceful in, a, in the best way possible. History of Maryland fans being, <laughs> uh, being over the top. Um, I cannot 
confirm nor deny if during my time in Maryland if I participated. Um, <laughs> but it's safe to say that I probably did. Uh, I did not enjoy the call. You know that. Um, I may or may not may may made a sign of him comparing him to one of the mod stars from Space Jam. Maryland fans, uh, I mean, they're loud. When, Comcast Center can be one of the more imposing places to play in the country when the setting is right. The mm-hmm. fans haven't been there in mass uh, in recent years uh, just because of the lack of of sustained success, but mm-hmm. it's loud, it's big, it's 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 pretty intimidating when it's when it's really getting going. Okay, um, yeah, all right, and uh, I guess moving on to uh, the current situation, um, I know you had mentioned this before the the podcast. I definitely tend to agree you um, with you that Maryland may be the biggest wild card in the Big Ten for this year. Um, would you agree with that? I think them and Michigan are the two biggest wild cards to me. <clears throat> I think both of them have a lot of talent, a lot of unproven talent, and are sort of in a flux. I mean, Michigan's coming off, I mean, what you would probably consider the best two or three-year run in the program's history. Is that fair to say, besides maybe the national championship? Um. I, I I don't know if I go that far. Uh, the Fab Five they made uh, two national title games in a row, so um, well, I guess sanctions, you know, whatever you say about that. But um, since the like '89 to '93-ish period, yeah, the last couple of years have probably been easily some of the best. So my point about Michigan, not to make the Michigan podcast, but it's on the phone, is that. While it's awesome to have a coach who I think Beeline's one of the best coaches in college basketball, who can coach him up, you know, as they say, who can uh, take guys who may not have been, you know, high-profile recruits, although Trey Burke was a four-star recruit and so was Nick Sloskett, and turn them into conference players of the year. Uh, when you have a bunch of those in a row and a bunch of those guys go pro early in a row and you're then not bringing in top ten classes every year, sort of like, Calipari does or like Patino does, uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to sustain that. And on the other side, going back to Maryland, uh, Maryland is now at a point where they've brought in so many talented recruits, it's almost impossible for them to not win at this point. Uh, they had a lot mm-hmm. of transfers, well-documented, but just by recruiting, you know, recruiting stars and recruiting rankings, every single player – that will replace the one that came before them who transferred was a higher-rated recruit, and, like, in some cases, significantly so. For example, Maryland didn't really have a point guard the last few years. Uh, Seth Allen was a very, very good shooter and a very good scorer, but wasn't a point guard. He transferred, mm-hmm. and in comes Romello Trimble, who is a, uh, depending on what service you go by, five-star, four-star point guard, McDonald's All-American, uh, one of the best point guard prospects in the country uh, who I've seen play a few times. He's from the D.C. area. He was the WCAC, which is the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, which is generally considered one of the best high school basketball conferences in the country. He was the player of the year uh, two years in a row. Um, he's 
I mean, he's a stud. I mean, he's he's just the kind of player that you want to come in and run your program. Uh, he's going to be the starter right away. He's going to have the keys turned over to him. Uh, then alongside him, you have five-star, four-star, depending on your recruiting service. Shooting guard, Dion Wiley. You have two seven-footers, one in Trayvon Reed, who's upwards of 7-3, I think was the last measurement, about 7-3, who's injured right now but should be ready for the season. And then Michael Sakowski, who uh, is from, I think, Slovakia. I can't remember right now. But uh, <laughs> he's seven feet tall. He's very skilled. He's a power forward, sort of in the – I mean, he's not this kind of player, but in sort of the Dirk Nowitzki mold of a shooter, versatile, um, to put the ball on the floor. And then you have Jared Nickens, who is a sharp-shooting small forward from uh, – New Jersey, Pennsylvania, he's moved around a little bit. But, I mean, this is Maryland's best recruiting class. Uh, it's Depending on who you ask, either 10 years or 30 years. I mean, it's absolutely loaded with talent. And mm-hmm. even before the I mean, every single player on the roster, um, besides a, a, a new graduate transfer, they have uh, Rashard Pack, who comes from North Carolina A&T, and uh, John Graham, who you know, former Penn State basketball player, transferred to Maryland, uh, son of one Maryland's all-time great players, Ernie Graham. Every player that will play minutes on this team is a top 100 recruit, uh, mm-hmm. which only a handful of teams in the country can say. I think Maryland and Ohio State are the only two Big Ten teams that can say that. Uh, okay, it's, it's pretty amazing when you look at their when you look at their their roster and. It hasn't come together for them in the last few years. They've had talented rosters in the last few years, but this might be their most complete and balanced roster to go along with talent, not to mention that with all that young talent, they have the returning, their uh, leading scorer return in Des Wells, who's an all-Big Ten caliber player. They have Jake Lehman, who's a potential lottery pick if he you know, can put an entire game together. <clears throat> and they have uh, guys you know, promising players like Demonte Dodd coming back who, uh, you know, didn't show much last year, but is 6'11 and athletic and, you know, can certainly, can certainly looks the part. Uh, I'm not sure if he can play yet, but, it, you know, it remains to be seen. And they have, like I mentioned, um, graduate transfer Richard Pack, who put up about 17 points a game at North Carolina A&T and was one of the more efficient guards in the country last year. Uh, hmm. I mean, everything is there for Maryland to be a very good team. I said to okay. you, uh, I think, in my direct <laughs> message earlier today that I could see them finishing 10th and I could see them finishing 2nd. And I have no idea where they're going to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll definitely be a, it could be a crazy season <laughs> for the Terps. Um, I guess uh, two two quick questions. Um, first, uh, I guess a lot of people, I know this is a, a flawed uh statement, but um, a lot of te- people like to uh, group teams into a particular style. Do you think Maryland c- can uh, be grouped into a style of play? And um, on top of that, do you think there is a team that potentially could be a bad matchup? Um, just real quick. It's, it's hard to say um, because with so much turnover on the roster, uh, we don't really know how Maryland's going to play. 
if there's anything in the last few years, they've been floppy. They've been good in transition. Uh, they've turned the ball over a lot. And a lot of Maryland fans will tell you that they really didn't have any plan on offense. Uh, two years ago, they had one of the better defense in the country, about 30th, according to Kempom. Uh, so, but that wasn't the case last year. Uh, earlier uh, in the summer, um, um, Coach Mark Turgeon made a statement about Maryland wanting to play like the Spurs, which I, I guarantee you almost every coach in the country, after watching what they did to the Heat, uh, will say. I mean, it looks... It looks like a great style of basketball. A lot of passing, good shooting, you know, no ball stoppers, you know, going ISO. Uh, but, I mean, it's easier said than done. Uh, I expect them – I'll start over. The the players on the team don't really fit that style of play. Uh, Melo Trimble is a very methodical – I mean, he's quick, he's fast, he's a good decision maker, but he's more of a methodical, cerebral basketball player. He's not an up-and-down basketball play, player, really. Uh, neither is Dion Wiley, um, neither really is Trayvon Reed. I mean, I haven't seen Michael Sikoski play because he plays in Europe, um, and I've only seen um, Nickens a few times. Um, and then to go along with Des Wells and Jake Lehman, who are you know quick athletic players, uh, but – I mean, I could see them playing very up and da- up and down style of basketball, um, fast breaks and transition. Uh, I could also see them going a lot of half court sets. I could see them going ISO with as well as you know. I've said before, I've written before that ISO has become a very you know bad word in basketball parlance, um, but it can be effective when you have the right player in the right situation. And as well is a very good ISO player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in short, I've been talking a lot this podcast, but in short, I kind of <laughs> All right. Well, um, unfortunately, we're about to run out of time, but uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for calling in, and uh, I appreciate it, and uh, a lot of great uh, info about Maryland. So uh, thanks again. Thanks for everyone checking us out, and we will see you next time. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime sure. you want to talk one basketball, just, just give me a call. <laughs>